and read a couple of things from Hafiz. I heard God laughing. Spill the oil lamp. Spill the oil lamp. Set this dry, buried place on fire. If you've ever heard, if you've ever made wanton love with God, then you have ignited that brilliant light inside that every person needs. So spill the oil lamp. And another one, I am determined. One regret, dear world, that I am determined not to have when I am lying on my deathbed. That is, I did not miss to kiss you enough. So, Well, it is interesting that here we are at Christmas time, that season of giving and receiving. And for a lot of people in the world, this is about the only time that this action of giving and receiving is really present in their daily life. The challenge for it is in the world that it has a lot of obligation attached to it and a lot of physicality attached to it. And in that, there's also this action of who do we give to and who are we not going to give to? And this anticipation of are we going to receive anything from anywhere in the world? The true action of giving and receiving and the true spiritual teaching about giving and receiving has nothing to do with this world, has nothing to do with our relationships in the world, and has nothing to do with a holiday but it has everything to do with us awakening into the knowing of who we are truly as soul. And it is in giving and receiving of the loving of ourselves in a very open and vulnerable way, without attachment, without boundaries, without expectation, that we truly begin to experience that movement of spirit within us. For the movement of spirit within us is loving. I remember when I was younger, I would witness this whole thing as Christmas would get closer and I myself would get caught up in this whole anticipation of giving and receiving and what that was about. And how I lived in that. For me, giving and receiving, even as a child, was a spiritual action. I spent every moment of every day, as much as I could, in sharing my loving with God. And allowing God's loving in. That was just a natural part of who I am and who I was. And so I would sit in my room or outside in the yard just sharing my loving each day in some way. Sometimes it would be for a shorter period and sometimes for a long one. But I never witnessed very many people around me doing the same thing, of being in this action of giving and receiving, until it came time to Christmas. But then I 
found myself getting caught up in the energy of the world around giving and receiving that Christmas seems to bring forward with this whole thing of anticipation and expectation. And I remember very clearly one year it became very obvious to me that it wasn't something that I really enjoyed being caught up in, this whole thing of the worldly giving and receiving. There were things that I really wanted for Christmas. And as a child, you're taught you're supposed to really want and ask and expect Santa to bring or parents to give or an aunt and uncle to send. And I remember this one Christmas, I got very caught up in this whole energy. And as I did, I found that my time with God was very different. It was just very, very different. I couldn't just relax into the loving movement inside of myself. I couldn't just share my loving with God and open and receive God's loving because there was all this chaos going on inside of me. Part of the chaos was, am I going to get what I want? And this is what I really want. I better be real clear because I'm going to get something and I better get what I want. But then the other part of the chaos inside of me was, I got a little tiny allowance. I didn't get a lot of money. I didn't have a lot of money. And yet I wanted to get a nice gift from my mom and my dad and my brother. And with this little bit of money that I had saved up, I couldn't really get much of anything. And so this caused a lot of disturbance in me and a lot of focus into the world and into the wanting of the world. And it distracted me from being free to live in the movement of loving, to live in the movement of God, to live in that movement and be. And I remember on Christmas morning, waking up and all excited on this one Christmas about going and seeing, is what I wanted under the tree? Is it really there? And I got under the tree and I found my present and I waited for mom and dad to come out and I sat there on the floor with this present between my legs, waiting, waiting, waiting. And it just seemed like it took forever for them to come. And I was all excited. I thought, well, this is about the right size of a box. This has got to be it. And sure enough, I heard them walking down the hall talking and they came out and they'd gone to see if I was awake yet or to wake me up to come on out and do Christmas. And my brother, like he always did, he just wanted to sleep early in the morning. So he didn't care. He was 13 years older than me and he had already had his experience of childhood Christmas, I guess. So they came out and I was sitting there by the tree with my present. And they said, well, there you are. Well, come on, let's, let's open our presents in. And so I immediately ripped into it, opened it, and it was. It was exactly what I wanted, exactly what I wanted. I was so thrilled. And they started getting the presents out from the tree for themselves and a couple more for me. And all of a sudden, my dad was opening his present, and I felt bad because it wasn't much of a present. I really wanted to get him something, but it was on my allowance and I just didn't get what I wanted that I felt that he would want. 
and I felt almost embarrassed to have him open it. And I almost started to try to stop him from opening it. And I went, no, it's too late. It's going to be what it's going to be. And he opened it and he was all excited, just like I was all excited about my gift. He seemed all excited and happy and thrilled about this. And I was kind of surprised. I thought, why is he excited about this? And then I looked at my present and I looked at his present and, and I said, Dad, why are you so excited about getting this little thing? And he said, it's not about the thing. It's about what you did for me. You went out and you bought something that you wanted to give me, that you could afford to give me. And that means more than me than this, this present. It's the giving that matters. And I looked at my present, and I almost felt embarrassed now that I got something so nice and didn't really get into the action of receiving the way he was demonstrating it to me. And so after we had lunch and the little celebration for Christmas was kind of winding down and Dad was going to watch the football games, I decided to go and spend some time in my room and just share with God once again, hoping that somehow maybe getting past all this stuff in the world, I would be able to do so. And as I did, I began to share my loving with God and I could begin to feel it freeing up, moving more, because my focus wasn't back out in the world. Before my focus was back out in the world, my attachment of, well, I want this and I want this, and now which one do I really want? Because I know I'm only going to get one really good gift. And so I've got to make sure I get the right one. Well, now that was all done and over with. So all of a sudden that attention out into the world was able to come back, all that awareness back into my focus was sharing with God once again. And I began to find myself moving back into that flow, back into that river of loving. And all of a sudden, as I began to move into sharing my loving with God, I was also able to receive once again from God, God's loving. But it was very interesting in the action of receiving. Giving God loving was pretty easy to get back into. But receiving God's loving, there was still a little bit of a shakiness and something in the way. And I began to look to see, well, what could I do to open that avenue of loving back up for me to receive in, because I really wanted to live in that. I knew what that was like, and I knew that when I was in this movement of loving, I was in peace, and I was in joy. And when I wasn't, I felt the separation, and I felt more myself caught up in the world. So I began to look, and there was this element, I don't know if you would call it, guilt or unworthiness or whatever it might be around receiving. And that same quality that I had by the tree of all of a sudden looking at the gift my dad was all excited about and looking at my big gift that I was all excited about. And I felt kind of unworthy to have received such a big gift and not have been so appreciative. While he got such a little gift and he was just overjoyed and elated in what he got. And so I looked as I was seeing God's loving coming in and I realized that I wasn't appreciating God's loving. I wasn't really excited about it. I was just like 
okay, well, this is what we do now. I give you love and you give me love. And I realized that a part of the giving and receiving with God or with anyone is our enthusiasm, our excitement, our joy in the giving and the receiving. And that day I learned something so profound. It isn't just about giving love and sharing love and receiving love. It is about being totally focused, conscious, aware in that movement. And how are you moving it? How are you sharing it? How are you receiving it? And so from that time on, I don't always do it this way, but from that time on, I set more of an intention to always do it with as much awareness, with much joy and enthusiasm and gratitude that I could. Grateful to be able to share my loving with God. Enthusiastic. Present. Excited. And the same in receiving God's loving. And the more I could do that, the more I was really participating in that movement. And it was participating with me. And I was really more in the oneness of it all. So in giving and receiving, whether it be with God, within yourself, or with others in the world, do it with enthusiasm. Do it with joy. Do it with gratitude. Be grateful that you can give something to someone and share yourself with someone, whether it be a present, a word of kindness, or a loving action, or just loving. And the same with receiving. Receive in gratitude. Receive in excitement and enthusiasm. Because there's a wonderful thing that takes place when we live in that. The soul begins to wake up. And what is this pathway about? It's about the soul waking up. Well, why does the soul have to wake up? Is it asleep? Did it somehow go to sleep? And now it's got to wake up again? In a way, yes. As long as the soul is awake and aware, it is always looking to God. And in looking to God, it is sharing with God and receiving with God all things. That is a state of awakefulness. But the moment that our soul got caught up in the mind in this world and started looking down and out rather than inward and upward toward God, it began to go asleep. It went unconscious. It went unaware. It went into a state of forgetfulness and forgot its true identity and forgot its true nature and its true home and its true creator. And as long as it lives in that downward and outward focus, it is asleep in these states of unawareness and forgetfulness. And the key to life, spiritual life, is to wake up. Wake up once again from this deep sleep, from this condition of dreams, 
and to live a life fully aware and awake and in the knowing of what it is you are doing and who it is you are. And just by simply each day for a few moments, or maybe many moments, holding your focus inward and upward here to the seat of the soul, and then upward towards God of all things, and holding your attention and just sharing your loving with enthusiasm, with gratitude, with joy, and receiving in the same way, the soul begins to wake up. And you will begin to know that movement of loving. At first you may not. At first you may not even know if there's a God or not. You may not believe that there's a God, but you're just going to check it out and see. You may not believe in loving, but you're just going to check it out and see. But if you do it on a regular basis, eventually, if not right away, something will happen. There will be a movement inside of you, a stirring taking place, a true action of awakening, where you begin to be aware of something that maybe you've never been aware of in this lifetime before. Of something inside of you stirring and going forth from you as you focus on sharing that element of yourself called loving with God. And you may feel something stirring inside of you as it begins to receive loving, a warmth, a gratitude, a sense of peace, a movement of understanding, whatever it might be. And then you begin to realize there is something here inside of me that is not of this world, that is not of the mind, that is coming awake and beginning once again to live its true nature. That's what this meditation is about. It's about the soul waking up. Waking up once again from this deep sleep and living this amazing dream. This whole world, this whole creation that we are caught up in, including this physical body, is but a dream. But it's an amazing dream. But just like so many of our dreams that we have when we lay our bodies down to sleep, they can seem so real, so real, that when we wake up, it's like, oh my God, that was almost more real than this, this experience with my eyes open and awake. Well, when we wake up to the spiritual self, the soul self, then we begin to realize what is truly real and what is not. We live in the world of reflection. And it's an interesting reflection, an interesting creation, an interesting experience 
to journey through this place. But David put it so clearly when he called it the Valley of Shadows. That's what this place is, the Valley of Shadows. It's a world of reflection. We will never see the true light of spirit or of loving with our physical eyes. Our physical eyes and our physical body and our physical consciousness and our physical senses sense the things of the physical nature. And it is a part of the valley of shadows. It's the instrument by which the soul allows itself to walk through the world of reflection and to have experience here. It is only when the soul begins to awaken, when the soul eye, the spiritual eye, begins to open, that we begin to see the greater light, the true light of spirit. And then we begin to wake up and live in the truth of our being and not in the illusion of this world of reflection. So why did the soul come down here in the first place and get caught up in this world of reflection? And why would God allow it to do so? Because this is a part of God's creation as well. And he sent soul into all aspects of his creation to have experience so that the soul comes to a fullness, a completeness in itself. And in that, it brings the awareness of God's creation to completion, to wholeness, and to sacredness. But the true action is not to ask why or how. How in the world did I get down here? How did I lose sight? How did I get caught up in this trap and attach myself to so many things that aren't really important, but I think they are? And who in here is really in charge anyway? What's more important is focus above all those questions, all those wonders. Focus above it all and find out what there is above it all. And the more you come awake to that living truth of your own soul inside yourself and that which is the creator of all things, the more the questions will just subside. They aren't important. They're only a distraction. What's important is to live in that awakeful state, to live in that presence of being that you and God are one in spirit, that you and God are one in this movement of loving, and to live in that. And not to define yourself by this world of reflection, this valley of shadows, or this level of limitations. Because that's all you're ever going to find here. And the key is also to remember that you are your Savior. You are your salvation. It is only by you doing the inner work 
and opening your inner spiritual eye and awakening to the truth of who you are as soul, as divine, as loving, that you will come awake and stand free of this physical creation even while you're in it. To be in the world but not of the world. That's a wonderful place to be. To be in it but not of it. Not caught up in it in a way that that's all you know and that that's all you believe. But to be in it, but to know the truth of who you really are, where you came from, and that you are awake there now, even while you're participating in all this down here, this great dream. It would be wonderful if we could just move into a place of believing something and then we're saved or knowing that somebody else is going to do the work for us and then we're saved. But in truth, we created for ourselves our heaven or our hell that we're in right now. We created it. When we came into this creation, this creation had no idea of our beingness, our presence, until we began to create here what we've created. Through our thoughts, through our feelings, through our actions and through our reactions, through many different lifetimes, through many different existences on many different realms, we've created for ourselves a reality. And we are now living that reality. For some of us, it's a pretty nice reality, and for others, it's a hell. It's just a pure hell. But in truth, this isn't heaven or hell. This creation of the physical universe is just a mere reflection. And a reflection isn't heaven or hell, except by how we define it and how we express into it. If we can begin to realize that we are the creator of our own situation, whatever it might be, and that if we want something to change, we've got to change it. We're the ones who created it, and we're the ones who correct it, bring it into balance, change it, let go of it and do it different, whatever it might be, but it's up to us to do the action. And one of the keys to getting free of this creation is to spend some time every day focusing on that movement of loving. The more we do that, the freer we get. It's a very quick action and yes, we do have to take responsibility for our thoughts and our feelings, our actions and reactions, both inside of ourselves and in the physical world. But the key is, for true liberation, is to first focus on the loving and wake up into the loving and live into the loving and let the loving lead you and guide you and do all that it can do 
to free you up of this creation. It will bring light into the valley of shadows. And there will be no more shadows. There will only be a creation of light, a creation of beauty, a creation of wonder that you're walking through. Even though others may see it as darkness and evil and threatening and hard, you will know it to be something different. And the movement of your being through the world will be very different from one who is still caught up in the world, living the world only. 